Welcome to Do You Have Scripture for That? This is Clay Garrison. Today we're going to talk about hard hearts. So what do we mean by hard hearts? Uh, what are we getting at? These are some questions that that we should think about, questions that are that are going to help us understand where we're going today. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and ask those. One, does everyone who read the Bible, reads the Bible, do they come away the same? Whenever you have people who approach Scripture and they read it, and or it's or it's read to them do they come away from that experience in the same way as another person who does the same uh, or does a lost person come away from it the same way that a christian does another question can you intellectually understand what a passage is saying without actually understanding it and so these might sound like word games or things like that but we're really getting uh, to a point and Today, it's going to be centered around this idea of having hard hearts, or another way is is not having the ears to hear or not having the eyes to see, and we're going to look at the biblical language surrounding this, and uh, we have, have several different passages that we're going to look at today, so I hope you have your Bibles ready. Um, all of the passages I'm going to read today are out of the ESV, uh, so if you're on your phone and you can look at different versions, then maybe you could pull up that one to, to look, or you can follow along in what you, with what you have. So the first passage that we're going to look at is kind of a uh, a passage to set the tone of, of all of these other passages that we're going to be reading. And that's Matthew 13, verses 10 through 17. So if you turn there, this is this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He just got done telling them the... Um, the parable of the sower. So you have, he's talking to his disciples and he's also talking to these great crowds and he, he tells them this parable. And so what you're supposed to see is that you have two different sets of people there. You have his disciples whom Jesus has chosen and, and brought together for a particular purpose. And then you have this great crowd that's all around them that's that's all listening to this same message. And listen to verses 10 through 17, and this is what Jesus says uh, about why he speaks in parables. So I'm going to start reading. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. And so we see this idea of having hearts that have grown dull, having ears that can't hear and eyes that can't see. And so is 
is Jesus being literal in his statements? Is is he saying that you know these people's have these people's physical heart is is dull? Like, should we be calling the American Heart Association to deal with these these heart issues? Obviously, no. That's not the point of what Jesus is getting at. He's he's talking about a spiritual condition that their heart is dull. This this center of who they of who they are, their heart, uh, their inner person, it has grown dull and is unable to hear and to see what should be obvious to it. And so, what what we see from this passage that we're going to take forward with us is that God's will is involved in your understanding. Notice what he said at the beginning of that passage. Uh, whenever the disciples ask him why he speaks in parables, he says, To you, the disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And so there's this differentiation between God willing people to understand or not to understand his word that's being given. So whenever Jesus is giving these parables, he told people parables for the purpose of them not understanding. But then he would give the interpretation to his disciples so that they would have understanding. And so you see that God's will is very much involved in people understanding or not understanding the true nature of what he is saying in his word. And again, there's a dullness of heart and a stopping of the ears and a blindness of the eyes that prevents people from real understanding. That's that's another point in this passage that Jesus brings up. And when we talk about this idea of understanding with their heart toward the end of that passage um, in in that prophecy from Isaiah uh, is at the end of verse 15 he says and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them so he's saying these people can't hear they can't see their hearts dull and but and, and and it implies that if they weren't if their heart wasn't dull if they could see and they could hear then they would understand with their heart and they would turn and have healing or re- repent and have healing. So what we see in that is that we are not merely intellectual creatures. A lot of times we think that uh, the thing that sets apart mankind from all the animals or um, that makes us special or the main thing of what we are is that we are intellectual. Uh, we're not just intellectual, we're also volitional creatures. So what does that mean? It means that we have a will. We have something that, that causes us to make decisions that, that differentiates between different things to, to cause us to choose one or, or the other. We have a will. We are volitional creatures. So we have a will, which means that we must be willing to understand and believe. You can, you can intellectually understand an argument, you can intellectually know what somebody's saying, but yet volitionally you can still reject that. You can still say, I refuse to believe that. My, you're, you can have a hard heart, an unwilling heart that refuses to believe what you know to be true or intellectually makes sense. Something you, you can recognize that something is logically true. There's no contradictions. You know, it, it all checks out, but yet still reject it because volitionally according to your will you do not want to believe that so what does this look like um we're going to look at some passages especially in the old testament uh, that'll help us flesh this out to really see what's going on here so if you'll look in exodus chapter 5 going all the way back to the uh, old testament exodus chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 and and really i can't cover all of this 
uh, in Exodus. You can you can jump into Exodus and read basically the entire first fourteen chapters up up through the Red Sea and you know God destroying Pharaoh and his armies in the Red Sea, and you can see this principle played out in Pharaoh's life. But we're just going to look at uh, two passages to help us to see the point. So chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says this, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. So we see that when Moses and Aaron brought the word of God to Pharaoh, how does Pharaoh respond to the creator of the universe whom he knows? And as, as for further reading, go read Romans chapter 1, uh, especially 18 through 25 or so. Go, go read those verses and see how Paul shows that every single person knows that God exists, that God makes himself evident to them in their heart, that people have an internal witness of God because they're made in the image of God. So when Pharaoh's asked this question, this isn't just some, you know, pagan leader that we write off as well. He really doesn't know God. He's he hasn't heard about him. Every single person knows God. There is no real atheist. And so when Pharaoh's asked this, what does he say? Pharaoh one, he he questions the Lord's existence. He says, Who is the Lord? So First and foremost, he knows who the Lord is. He's living his life in rejection and in rebellion against that Lord. And that rejection and rebellion shows itself in a refusal to acknowledge the Lord's existence. So we see that. Who is the Lord? What we're seeing here is a heart issue. Secondly, Pharaoh refuses to see why he should obey. So he he not only refuses the, the existence of the Lord, but he also questions his authority. So he says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? So basically what he's saying is, who does the Lord think he is to be able to tell me to do these things? You know, who who is he? Who can tell me what to do? There's no one with authority over me. And so you see him rejecting that authority. He's, he's showing his hardness of heart that he is not willing to obey this Lord that Moses and Aaron are coming to speak in the name of the Lord that he knows exists. That's the creator of all things. A third thing is that Pharaoh rejects the knowledge of the Lord. So he already questions the Lord's existence. You know, who is the Lord? But he also rejects knowledge of the Lord. He says, I do not know the Lord. And so whenever we read this, we can be tempted to say, well, there you go right there. Pharaoh saying he doesn't know the Lord. You know, maybe... Moses and Aaron should give him a lot of uh, a lot of evidence, you know, give him a lot of good arguments so that he can know that the Lord exists, so that he can believe his word. Once again, I remind you, go back to the Romans passage. Aaron and Moses don't have to tell Pharaoh who the Lord is because Pharaoh knows internally who the Lord is. What he needs is a change of heart. He needs a heart that's been softened. And we're going to see that. Finally, we see that Pharaoh refuses to obey. So, He says, uh, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice, let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. I refuse to obey the word of the Lord. 
That's that's what we should get from that passage. I refuse to obey. And that it shows a problem with the will. It shows a problem on the volitional side of things, not intellectual. Pharaoh intellectually understood exactly what Moses and Aaron were saying. He understood that there was this authority that was higher than himself commanding him to do something that he didn't want to do. And so he outright rejects that authority and decides that he's going to side with his own will rather than the Lord's will. And now let's look at verse uh, chapter 7 of Exodus, verse 13, and we're going to see this idea even more. We're going to connect this. You know, I kept referencing that he has a heart problem. We didn't see that explicitly in that passage, but we're going to see that explicitly here in chapter 7, verse 13. And this is after several different things have happened, but we see here in verse 13, still Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So the Lord had already told Moses and Aaron that Pharaoh's heart was going to be hardened. Pharaoh also said or the Lord also said that Pharaoh that he would harden Pharaoh's heart. So we have several you read once again I encourage you read through these chapters. It's very interesting because you see passages that say or verses that say that Pharaoh hardened his heart and refused to let the people go. And then later on, you start to see that it says the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the people go. And that's a whole nother topic in and of itself. But once again, we're bringing this all back to the heart issue that Pharaoh has. He has a hard heart. And as I said before, that's not something we're not talking about a heart disease. We're not talking about some physical thing. We're talking about internally in the inner person of who Pharaoh is. There is a rebellion against God, a hardness of heart that refuses to believe the Lord's words and refuses to act in obedience to them. And this is a heart condition that every single one of us has until the Lord changes that condition. So a hard heart prevents listening. It prevents obedience. Um, all of us have probably had the experience of growing up and you know, somebody asks, are you hearing what I'm saying? And then... Are you listening to what I'm saying? There's there's a difference. Uh, words can hit your eardrums and it can process in the sounds, but there's a difference in really listening to what somebody's saying and it actually having an effect on you and it, it changing you. And I would argue that it's going beyond the intellect and, and hitting your volitional side, your will. Uh, if you're a parent, you could tell your kids something all day, but you wouldn't say that they actually listened to you until they did what you told them to do. And so the will is involved in all of this. So let's continue to look at some more passages. Uh, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 6 through 8. Deuteronomy 30, verses 6 through 8. And this is Moses talking to the people of Israel. He's just the entire book of Deuteronomy is is really like a long sermon that, that Moses is giving to the people of Israel. And listen to what he says. This is a promise that's being made to these people. And the first son, that was the wrong chapter. Deuteronomy 30, 6 through 8. It might help to be in the right chapter. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, 
that you may live. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command you today. So this is one of the great promises to the people of Israel. And it's the promise of a circumcised heart. So we already, we've already seen in the Old Testament, you can, you can go back and read in Genesis and, and Exodus and, and see in the laws about the physical circumcision that Israel was supposed to practice. The men of Israel were physically circumcised to show that they were cut away, that they were set apart from the world, made holy for a particular purpose, and that purpose was to bring about the Messiah, for the Messiah to come through the people of Israel, through Abraham's line, uh, through David's line. That, that was the purpose of these people. And circumcision was a sign of that covenant to show that they were cut away, set apart, and also to show that if they did not obey the Lord, that they would be cut off in the same way from the Lord. But now God is promising this. Moses is, is pointing forward. And in a way, people get people get a picture of that you know there there are believers in the old testament that i would argue or would have you know had circumcised hearts i would say that moses speaking to the people had a circumcised heart that's another argument and topic you could get into but now we see that god is promising an internal spiritual circumcision to radically transform their hearts so God is saying that that the end goal, that circumcision isn't physical circumcision isn't the end all, be all, but that it is a sign pointing forward. It is a type pointing forward to a spiritual circumcision, a circumcision of the heart. And this change that God's going to do is going to make them willing to love God and willing to keep His commands. Notice in that verse, in verse six, He says, "The Lord your God will circumcise your heart." so that you will love the Lord your God. So the verse that Jesus goes to as the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you can only do that if you have this circumcised heart. And in verse 8, it says, you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments. So loving the Lord and being obedient to him is dependent upon the condition of your heart. You need a circumcised heart. You can't love the Lord and obey Him if your heart is hard like the heart of Pharaoh. There's a lot of H's. But you can't do that. You can't be obedient to the Lord if you have a hard heart because you're going to be unwilling to obey Him. The Lord has to make you willing. So now let's look at Ezekiel. Same idea. We're, gonna, we're, we're tracing this idea through Scripture. And we're going to find its fulfillment in Christ. But let's look in Ezekiel first. Ezekiel 11, 14 through 21. Verse 14. And the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, your brothers, even your brothers, your kinsmen, the whole house of Israel, all of them, are those of whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Go far from the Lord. To us this land is given for possession. Therefore say, Thus says the Lord, Though I removed them far off among the nations, and though I scattered them among the countries, yet I have been a sanctuary to them for a while in the countries where they have gone. 
Therefore say, Thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And when they come there, they will remove from it all its detestable things and all its abominations. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. But as for those whose heart goes after detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord God. So we see this is Ezekiel speaking in the exile. This is the beginning of the exile after the Babylonians have attacked Jerusalem and, and took away a, a lot of the people, uh, a lot of the higher class people of Jerusalem, hauled them off into captivity. There's people still in Jerusalem at this point. Jerusalem hasn't been completely destroyed by the Babylonians. But we have Ezekiel who is prophesying this, this, this promise of the Lord bringing the people of Israel back from exile, bringing them in. We, I mean, we see this miraculously and, and greatly fulfilled in Nehemiah, Ezra, you know, books like that, where the Lord is bringing his people back to his land, keeping his promises, and giving them a heart to obey him. And we see that uh, in Nehemiah and Ezra, that, that there is conviction of sin, that they do want to obey the Lord, and especially when you see Ezra uh, reading the book of the law and, and, and bringing these things before the people, that there's conviction that they have. But we see that he's promising to give them a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone. So here we see this idea especially of the hard heart. We can, we can, I think we can accurately say that Pharaoh in Exodus had a heart of stone. It was a, it was a heart that was hard that refused to obey the Lord. Whereas God's promise is to give people a heart of flesh. So this, this heart of stone is what led to their exile. But this heart of flesh is one that's going to lead to obedience. The people are going to obey. They're going to get rid of these abominations and detestable things. They're going to be obedient to the Lord and his rules. And judgment is going to come on those who have a wayward heart. And so what's what? why, why heart, heart of stone, heart of flesh? And I, I think the language used here, obviously heart of stone gives clear implications of a hardness of heart, whereas a heart of flesh gives the idea that it is sensitive to the word. That when the word comes to a heart of flesh, that heart of flesh is going to react to that word and, and calls you know, the person who has that heart to move, to act, to be obedient to the Lord because it's sensitive to the Lord's commands. So that's in Ezekiel. That's a promise that is given to the people. And I think it's it's first and foremost, it's, it's pointing to, you know, in the near future for them, that God's going to bring these people back from exile. But then it's also pointing to a greater reality of what's going to be accomplished in Christ, you know, on a grand scale, this this grand scale giving of a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone. And we, we're going to see that, a small picture of it, in Colossians chapter 2. And we could go to other passages, uh, but this one is is quick and we can we can really get the idea in hand. So Colossians 2 verse 11. Remember this idea of a circumcised heart, of a heart of flesh. And now listen for that in what Christ has done for us. Colossians 
in him, in Christ also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So we see this promise of a circumcised heart and a heart of flesh that is sensitive to the to the Lord's word is being fulfilled in Christ. This is something that Christ has done in us. He's given us this circumcision of a heart made without hands. So that's that's the idea that we're supposed to pick up when we read this. He's not talking about physical circumcision. He's talking about a circumcision that can't be made with hands. That can't be done by man. Man can't do this circumcision. Only Christ can do this circumcision because it's a circumcision of the inward being, a circumcision of the heart. Man cannot replicate it. It is a work of God alone. He is doing something in us. He is making our hearts new. Whenever people are are lost, they're wayward, they're living in unbelief, rejecting their God, rejecting the God of creation, they have a hard heart just like Pharaoh. In order for those people to believe and to trust in the work of Christ and the work that God has done, that something has to happen to their heart. Their heart has to be made new. Another, another idea behind this is go read John chapter 3 where Jesus is telling Nicodemus that you must be born again. There has to be a newness of heart. You have to be made new. You have to have a circumcised heart. You have to have a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone. All of these ideas are hitting around the same point that in order to love God and walk obediently with him, you need to be transformed from the inside. You can't do this from the outside. The outside is just mere signs and mere types pointing forward to what has to happen internally for you to love and obey God. And this is something that Christ has done in us so that we might believe and trust and follow him. And we see this on full display that you can have an unbeliever who hears the gospel time and time and time again. And you ask yourself, why won't this person believe? Why won't they trust? I mean, it is it's so easy to understand. It makes so much sense. Why don't they just believe? And it's not that they don't intellectually understand what you're saying that that I'm a sinner, that I need salvation. Christ has paid for my salvation. He's paid the wrath for my sins so that I don't have to face that. And if I don't trust in him, then I'm going to be eternally punished for my sin. It's not that they don't intellectually understand that argument. It's that volitionally in their will, they refuse to believe it. They refuse to respond with faith and then obedience, a life filled with obedience and love of God. They refuse to do that. Their their will is bound up with that heart of stone. Their heart will not take hold of those things until it's been changed. And that's what Christ does miraculously for us. And so how, how should this affect our view of Bible study? You know, these first episodes that we're dealing with are you know, we're we're talking about the word, because the foundation of this podcast is is to ground everything in the Word of God. And so we need to kind of understand how we're approaching God's Word. And I would like to read for you Proverbs 1, verse 7. In that verse, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so we see that there is a connection between your will and your ability to grow in knowledge, your ability to understand. 
There is a there is a strong difference. And ask any teacher. Any teacher will tell you this, but what we're talking about is true on an even deeper level. Uh, once again, ask ask a teacher. They you know that a student who is willing to learn is going to learn far more than one who is constantly fighting you every step of the way just in in the process of having to learn itself. So we, we see this in general re- revelation. We see this in the world around us, but it is so much truer on a on a heart level that we refuse to hear the word of the Lord because of hard hearts. And so how should that affect our, our life? How should that affect our Bible study when we come to God's word? First and foremost is that we must pray that the Lord will make us willing to believe and obey. Every time you approach God's word, you have to recognize that even as a believer, even though the Lord has circumcised your heart, you have to be on guard against against sinfulness encroaching because you know if, if you allow sinfulness to uh, build up in your life, it will harden your heart against the Lord's word all over again. That's not to say that you're lost. But sin has the effect of hardening, of of dulling your senses, your spiritual senses, to what God is telling you. And so, when you approach God's word, you need to you need to one confess confess sins that are you know unrepented in your life. You need to repent of those things. But secondly, you need to be asking the Lord to make you willing to believe and obey. Recognize before the Lord that you have a wayward heart. That you have a heart that is deceptive, like Jeremiah says, that you need the Lord to change your heart, that you need to continually have your heart renewed as you approach God's word so that you can understand what's being said. Not just understand intellectually, you know, not be able to just break down the passages and explain how this connects to another, but have a change of heart so that it changes your, your entire outlook on life and your willingness to be obedient to the Lord to do what he's saying. There's plenty of people who know what the Bible says, but there's, uh, I think, a very small amount who are actually willing to obey it uh, in its entirety. So that that's how it affects our Bible study. And as we go forward, we should recognize that that it takes this this working of God in our life for us to be able to understand his word and act on it. So I hope you were able to learn something today from all of this. Um, I pray that the Lord would do that work in your life and so that you would be able to come to this understanding of of who he is and what he has done for us. So this has been Do You Have Scripture for That? Uh, This is Clay Garrison, and I appreciate you listening today. Thanks. Thanks.